I'll turn with me in your Bibles then to the book of Philippians in our annual, on our annual Vision Sunday. Uh, we're going to be looking this morning at uh, Paul's letter to the Philippians. I think it, you'll find it on page 980 or thereabouts in the church Bibles. And I'll read for us from verses 10 through to verse 20. As I think I mentioned, the title I've given uh, for the sermon this morning is The Partnership Path to promoting the vision, the vision being proclaiming the gospel, of course. Uh, So let's hear then from God's word, Philippians chapter 4, and beginning at verse 10, and I'll read, as I say, to verse 20. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To God, uh, to our God and Father be glory uh, forever and ever. Amen. Well, as we come now to the Bible, let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Father God, as uh, the Apostle Paul here concludes this section, That is our prayer too, that uh, the words of my mouth and the thinking of all our hearts might be to your glory. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the most iconic battle scenes in uh, movie history occurs at the beginning of uh, the movie Gladiator. That, that battle scene is not for the faint of hearted, so I don't, as always when I mention a movie, it's not my endorsement or my recommendation that you go out and necessarily watch it, but it illustrates the point I'm making at the beginning. In this iconic battle scene, uh, the Roman soldiers are lined up on one side of the battlefield, and they have sent an emissary to the Germanic tribes 
uh, to sue for peace, you see. And then the messenger comes back and the Germanic tribes reject the offer of peace. And then the battle commences. One of the most iconic battle scenes in movie history. As we think together of the partnership path of promoting the vision, we come to this letter of Paul's, Paul's letter to the Philippines. Uh, For those of us here this morning who do follow Jesus at College Church, we don't assume that's everyone. We, We want people here who don't yet know Jesus and are exploring the claims of Jesus from the Bible. And if that's you, then this Vision Sunday may be at least a little window into the way that Christians think about their our gospel vision. But for those of us here this morning who are Christians, who do follow Jesus, we increasingly feel as if we are in a, a battle, a clash of cultures. And in that context... What is the right way to promote the gospel vision? What Paul here calls a little earlier in the letter of the Philippines for their progress and joy in the faith. What is the way to do that? And it is exactly that sort of question that animates the whole letter of Paul's to the Philippines. Uh, We're looking at the last main section of the letter, which is really summarizing what he's been saying. Uh, but the, 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 the central thesis of it, if you've got a Bible open, is a little earlier. If you look at chapter 1 and verses 25 to 30, you'll see this. Uh, convinced of this, uh, he's talking about the power of the gospel. Um, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. That's what he wants them to have. I mentioned that already. He's in jail, you see. So he's saying, I'm pretty well convinced. Probably jail in Rome. We don't know for sure, but that's the most likely answer. And he's saying, I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get out of jail so that in me you may have ample cause of glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Then he carries on. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come to you or come and see you or am, ab- am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation, that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe on him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. That conflict that they saw that he had, you can read about in Uh, in the planting of the church in Acts chapter 16. It's an interesting book to choose for a Vision Sunday because the planting of the church of Philippi was in response to a literal vision that was given to Paul, the man of Macedonia. And he went there and preached the gospel. And having preached the gospel, he was thrown in jail there. Uh, People were converted And they stopped buying idols, and it affected the economy. That was the struggle they saw that he had. And now he's in jail again in Rome that you see I'm still having. You see, Philippi was a Roman colony. 
and proud of its Roman citizenship. And there was a clash of cultures between those following Jesus and the Roman civilization that was saying to them in one way or another, that's not appropriate for a Roman citizen. It's not the kind of thing we do in this society. How then do you have progress in the gospel and joy in the midst of a Roman colony? In the midst of a clash of cultures? Paul's answer is, as I say, he summarizes at the end. It's really along two lines. The first is our mindset, and the second is our partnership, the partnership path to promoting the vision. Our mindset, and then our partnership. And the first half of our passage, verses 10 to 13, are about the mindset, and the second half is about the partnership So first of all, the mindset. Now part of the difficulty of understanding uh, the letter to the Philippians and this passage in particular is the way that a similar Greek word is is, is by our translators translated in a variety of different ways to bring out various nuances of different forms of that Greek word, the the same Greek word in, in its root. So when Paul says here in verse 10, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you revive your concern for me, the word concern is this mindset word. Not, not, not mind as in intellect, an IQ test, but mind as in what's going on inside. Your mindset. And... The same word underlines um, when he repeats it, you are indeed concerned for me, that mindset. And as I say, this is a summary of what he's been saying about it. It appears repeatedly early in the letter. So, for instance, chapter 1, verse 7, he says this. If you can see that in your Bibles, if not, I'll read it out to you. Chapter 1, verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you, but actually the word feels the same word mindset. What's going on inside? This mindset, Uh, or uh, chapter 2, verse uh, 2, complete my joy by being of the same mind. What's the the same root word? Um, And what is that mind? Well, chapter 2, verse 5, it's the mind that was in Christ Jesus. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Again, that kind of Uh, kind of mind or chapter 3 verse 15 let those of us who are mature think this way or have this mind this mindset Um, and if in anything you think otherwise God will reveal that to you also to have the same mind or chapter 3 verse 19 uh, those who are not following Jesus have a different kind of mind their minds are set on earthly things. Again, if you're not yet here a Christian, it, it, there's a mind shift 
by God's spirit that only he can open our eyes to see. Uh, And again, uh, chapter 4, verse 2, when these uh, two women in the church who are not agreeing, Euodia and Syntyche, and Paul wants them to get along, um, he's entreating them to agree in the Lord or have the same mind in the Lord, this mindset. And then again, uh, 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 verse 10, your concern or your mind for me, your, your concern, your mindset for me. So part of the key, remember there are two parts to it, the mindset and the participation. We're thinking of mindset. Part of the key to making gospel progress, even in in an era of a clash of cultures, is inside what's going on within. We are to have a mind that is joyous. I think one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul emphasizes, and so many preachers through the book of Philippians have noticed this, uh, emphasizes again and again joy in the book of Philippians, is I think he's reflecting on Jesus' teaching in Matthew's, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, where where Jesus says that when they persecute you and, 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 and attack you, rejoice. Philippian Christians in the Roman colony of Philippi where you're following Jesus as Lord and not Caesar as Lord. And it's affecting the economy, and the business people don't like it, the, 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 the Roman pagan business people. And, it's effect, and, and you're being told, don't follow Jesus as Lord, and you're, you're feeling that pressure. The same contention that you saw that I had when I was first there, says the Apostle Paul, and, here I, and now here I still have because I'm in jail in Rome. You who are Roman citizens in, in that Roman colony in, in, in Philippi are feeling that same pressure. Well, part of the right mind is to rejoice. Perhaps they are to think of uh, Paul when he was in jail in, in Philippi. And Luke tells us that in jail he was singing hymns and praising God. That's part of the mind. Uh, Paul also says, uh, don't be frightened. Uh, this, I read this out a little bit earlier, when the sort of main thesis of a book of Philippians. But he says, um, uh, may I, verse 27 in chapter 1, Here of you standing firm, one spirit with one mind. Actually, that's a different underlying Greek word. Uh, but striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. So part of the right mind is not not being intimidated. These days it can feel like if you're a Christian and you say Jesus, then you're in the midst of a sort of battle. But not being scared. Jesus is Lord. Don't be frightened. He's our shepherd. We sang about that earlier, didn't we? Rejoicing, don't, don't be scared. Um, but then, of course, also humility. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. If we are to make progress for the gospel and, and speak to the truth, there needs to be an evident and characteristic Christ-like humility among us. And all that is 
the mindset, which is the internal part of the key to the gospel making progress. And when in chapter 4, in our passage, verses 10 to 13, when he talks about this mindset, he interweaves their mindset, their mind for him, their concern for him, with his mindset, his contentment, to, to indicate this on, on either side, their mind, his mind. That's what means we can all do all things through him who strengthens us. We have this mind of joy, not being frightened, and, and uh, humility. And so for those of us here this morning who do follow Jesus, and sometimes it feels like the society around or the world around is literally, well, literally, people always say, it feels like it's losing its mind. Yes, to have a, a commitment to the truth of the gospel, but with joy and not being frightened and humility, that kind of mind. I don't know whether you ever saw the first Cars movie, but there's a, a scene in that that made me think about this. The, the hero of the Cars movie uh, is going to another race and he's done really really well and he's flying you know he's on top of his game and all that and then he gets sidetracked to a small village a small town he has to slow right down and learn to think in what's inside differently to rejoice in the small things to have a different mind what's our mind What's our mindset? Joy, not being frightened, humility. That's what we're to aim for. So first of all, mindset, and then second, partnership. And this is, again, it's a little, this word, the underlining Greek word here for partnership is, and the root of it is, is, is bringing out different nuances, so it's perfectly good translations, but it's just it's good to know the underlining uh, thing. So here you have what it says, verse 14. So this is the second half of the section from verse 14 to 20. Now about, we've had mindset, now about partnership. Uh, he says, it's kind of you to share my trouble or uh, to, have, to partner in my trouble. We know what his trouble is now. It's he's in jail for Jesus. And then when he says, uh, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership, uh, it's the same uh, word. He, it's a key theme throughout the letter. He begins with it, cha- chapter 1, verse 5, because of your partnership in the gospel, and on and on. I won't go through how many times he uses that phrase or versions of it. So chapter 1, verse 7, partakers, again, partnership. Um, underneath it is a well-known Greek word called koinonia, often translated fellowship. But the trouble with that translation is that in Christian circles, and again, if you're not a follower of Jesus, it's a little different in other circles. In in academic circles, a fellowship at a university is a sort of admirable and prestigious thing to have and that sort of thing. But in, in church circles, fellowship is often, it often sort of brings up feelings of, I don't know, sitting around a, a campfire, holding hands, singing Kumbaya or something, you know. Kind of, 
that sort of feeling, like fellowship. But Paul's idea of fellowship, and he has different metaphors he uses through the letter, is really quite different from that. Um, One of the metaphors he uses for it is actually citizenship. So if you look at chapter 1 and verse 27, right at the heart of the thesis statement of the letter, he says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Or the word he uses there is, is saying, let your citizenship. So deliberate, of course, he's, he's speaking to Christians in a Roman colony where Roman citizenship is a big deal. What he's saying is, no, you've got a higher, you've got a higher citizenship. Let your citizenship be worthy of the gospel. And uh, he brings out the same thing a little bit uh, later in uh, chapter 3 and verse uh, 20. Where he says, ah, citizenship is in heaven. That's the right feeling of this partnership. It's a, it's a citizenship. That kind of commitment But, the, 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 uh, but then he has another analogy, which is really athletics. So you look at, um, uh, again, that verse 27 of chapter 1, where he says, uh, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. The image and the word there is co-athletic. Um, you're on the same sports team. He uses the same image a little bit later when he comes to those uh, Euodia and Syntyche, when he's encouraging them to get along together. He says, chapter 4, verse 3, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. But it's the same image, that they're they're in the same sports team, co-athletic. Well, that's quite a different feeling to partnership and fellowship, isn't it? Like same sports team. Working together, working out together, training together, competing together. We're on the same team. And almost certainly, uh, most dictionaries have at some point in their list of nuances for the word koinonia. And because of the context where when Paul preached the gospel there, the business leaders had objected because they were starting to lose money because people were becoming Christians and no longer worshipping idols. Almost certainly, I think anyway, in this idea of partnership that goes through it, it's not only citizenship and not only athletics being on the same sports team, but also business partnership. Your partners together. And that's quite a different feeling, isn't it? Very committed to be a partner in a business. It's a committed thing. A very different feel to this idea of, uh, of, uh, of partnership. Citizenship. Athletics. Business. Uh, some of you know that whenever I... Uh, with some frequency I'll reference rugby because I used to play rugby I think my abilities as a rugby player have grown in the telling of the years but anyway I I did play some at least and actually the best team I ever played in was a sevens rugby team uh, which is a, a different version of rugby there are various versions of it 
And in the sevens rugby team, we were undefeated throughout. We, we won every game one year. This was the best team I've ever played in, and we won them easily. What always has intrigued me in reflection is when that same team went to play the next year, half the t- it was a school team, half the school team had been expelled. So they were good rugby players, but not the kind of people you like to meet down a dark alley, you know, that sort of thing. And that's not quite the right feel for a church sports team. But it at least addresses the balance, doesn't it? Like we're in. A sports team together, a citizenship, uh, or if you like Lord of the Rings, the fellowship of the ring sort of image. We're in. And that's how the gospel makes progress. And as he talks again from 14 to verse 20 about their partnership and his partnership and the way then the fruit increases and all this is interwoven through first the mindset, what's going on inside, and then the partnership, the team together. Well, are you, what is your mindset and, what, and are you a part of the, of the Cottage Church team? Uh, there's a wonderful uh, book called Gospel Patrons. And in this book, uh, the author records a number of very rich business people down through church history who have been behind the scenes instrumental in the progress of the gospel. Uh, One that I've always found particularly striking that he describes is a a business leader called Humphrey Monmouth. You may have heard of Tyndale. Tyndale was the man who translated the Bible into the English language a long time ago. Uh, But without Humphrey Monmouth, uh, at a human level, those translations of Tyndale would not have been distributed because it was on Humphrey Monmouth's merchant ships that they were, they were sent around. God uses very rich men and women uh, for the gospel to make progress. But he needs us all. It won't surprise you to know that given that I'm from London, one of my hero preachers is Charles Spurgeon and in one sermon of his uh, I I, I think it was uh, May the 9th 1877 one sermon of his preaching to the London Mission Society at the time he went around and preached everywhere a man of extraordinary energy he preached on a comparison between when God's people in the Old Testament failed to take the city of Ai, Ai, and when they succeeded. And what he noticed was that in Joshua chapter 7, when it's described that they failed, it says only some of them went up. And then in Joshua chapter 9, when they succeeded, it says they all went up. And of course, he makes the point that it requires us all. He um, invented a little parable to illustrate it. And in a typically Spurgeon way, it's brilliant. And I'm sure I won't do it justice. But basically, the parable he told is of a group of knights, K-N-I-G-H-T-S, 
a group of knights who'd been very, very, very successful. So successful, they got together and decided that most of them would just enjoy, enjoy the spoils of war, but they'd only send out a few champions to fight the battles. And of course, as he tells the story, the point is obvious, isn't it? They, they started to do worse and worse and worse because it needed them all. And in this day of a clash of cultures, we need the mindset of joy, not being frightened, humility, and also a partnership of every single one. And then we'll make progress uh, and have joy in the faith. Well, let's pray together. Oh, Lord God, we do thank you uh, for your servant, the Apostle Paul. We thank you for inspiring him to write this letter. And we pray that indeed we here at College Church would make progress in the gospel with joy and faith, trust, not being frightened, filled with joy, with humility, and a partnership all together. And we pray it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.